Awesome. Well, I want to speak tonight about moving the hand of God. I wonder how many of you here would like to move the hand of God. Would you like to put up your hands, those who would like to move the hand of God? Oh, what a reaction. <laughs> I saw some people shoot their hand up straight away and I saw some people thought, oh, should I, shouldn't I? And they sort of put their hand up and others thought, no, I'm actually going to play safe, I'm going to keep it well down. <laughs> but in actual fact, God is not actually looking for individuals here and there. He's actually looking for a body of people who will rise up, every single one of us, who will take hold of what God has for them and begin to rise up in their spirit man and take hold of what God has and declare his intent upon the earth and walk in his purposes. You know, the early church turned the, the Jerusalem upside down and later the world, the known world. And it wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't this one or that one. It was the entire body rose up because suddenly they discovered who they were in God and they were filled with the Spirit of God and a spirit of boldness came over them to walk out and do something. And God today is looking for a body of people who are prepared as one to stand up. You know, in fact, God designed you to partner with Him. It's part of your DNA. It's part of you already. You just have to learn to activate it. Unfortunately, the church has become so accustomed to actually just sitting back and allowing this person or that person to do the work. Oh, they're an evangelist. They let them do what they do. And that's the pastor. Let him do what he does. After all, that's what they're paid for, isn't it? Isn't that real? And yet God never designed his body to be like that. They're there to equip you. They're there to help you to rise up in who you are in God and to fulfill the mandate of God upon the earth. And it's the most exciting mandate that we can have. The question is this. Are we prepared to roll up our mats and begin to walk as he designed us to? Joshua was commanded to fight a battle. And he went out and he was fighting this battle just as the Lord had said. But as he was fighting it, suddenly the sun started going down. And he suddenly realized that he wasn't going to get the job done. So he turned around and he commanded the sun to stand still. Guess what? It did. Because he was in alignment with God's will. He was fulfilling God's purposes. And God fell upon his words. But right throughout the Bible, there are countless numbers of times when people have moved the hand of God. There have been heaps. And when they did, people were healed, they were delivered, raised from the dead, nations were defeated, cities were conquered, kings and rulers were toppled, jails, jail doors were suddenly sprung open, chains fell off, loaves and fishes were multiplied, the Red Sea was parted. Wow! People moved the hand of God. And the list goes on. At Elijah's word, it didn't rain for three and a bit years. At Elijah's word, it rained again. Wow, that's powerful. Paul was, was being, sharing the, the gospel with somebody, was talking with this guy who was really interested to know what God was all about. But they had this other guy that kept on interrupting and causing a problem there. You know what Paul did? He turned around and he said, you shall go blind for a period of time. And suddenly the guy goes, oh, I can't see. Ooh. Suddenly people go, oh, my goodness. They knew it wasn't Paul. They knew it was the hand of God moving very, very powerfully. I wonder when people meet you, do they feel the presence of God with you or the kingdom of God within you? Because did you know that you carry the kingdom within you? So when they engage with you, when they meet you, what do they feel? Do they encounter God? Because that's what God made us to do. Create us to be like that. God actually enjoys it when we move his hand. When he begins to work through us, no matter how small or how big it is, God really enjoys us. Well, how do I know that? Do you remember how he sent out the 70 men? Or the 70, it may have been 70 men and women. It doesn't say, but he sent out 70 people. 
And they suddenly were praying for people and people were delivered and healed and, and all sorts of things happened. They came back and they were just so excited. And Jesus was excited with them and he said, because he gave them authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and have authority over the power of the enemy. But he said this, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that, your spirit, that spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are in, written in heaven. Wow. But this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where the rubber hits the road. The question is, how do we move the hand of God? Have you ever thought about that? How, how do we know what God's will is? How do we know what his, getting into alignment with him is all about? Sometimes it's a bit of a scary thought. But you know, God designed us to be vessels for him to use on this earth. And today what I want to do is I want to focus on how one way that we can move the hand of God. I want to stress one thing though. There is no set formula. Jesus didn't say ABC and this would happen. But there is a way that we can find out and move in the spirit that can move the hand of God. One, it's a good, I've got an example in the Bible that I want to go over. And it's a good starting point for us to learn. And it's one that changed my life personally. And I want to show you that. It's an amazing story of a young man, or I don't know how, whether he's young or not, but the thing is that he had encounters with God. Who, who, in his times of interaction with him, he actually was able to move God's hand. It began in spending time in God's presence. And because he positioned himself accurately, he was able to see things that he'd never seen before from a heavenly perspective. He was able to hear very clear instructions. He was able to declare God's intent. And as he declared it, things fell into alignment and things moved as he spoke. And then he activated God's breath upon what seemed dead and saw it come to life. And then he was given insight and understanding into the root cause of why it died. Let's come with me to Ezekiel and the story of the dry bones. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 verse 1 says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were many, very many in an open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, uh, over them. But there was no breath in them. And he also said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, O breathe on these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel and they indeed say, our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. And I'll put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I am the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. An amazing verse, isn't it? Actually, just before we go on, can we just uh, maybe get a bit more light out there, just so that I can 
So just in that a little bit, but bring a bit more light out there. That's a bit better. It's just got light glaring on my glasses. And all oh, whenever I see out here is all these lights. <laughs> ah, there are people. <laughs> Verse 1, look at this. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit and set me down in the midst of a valley and it was full of bones. The amazing thing with Ezekiel was he surrendered himself. He surrendered himself in God's presence because he allowed God's hand to come upon him. What does it mean to allow God's hand to come upon you? Well, it means it signifies God's enabling, God's power and activation. Purpose and direction. It means a hand to guide. Are we open and willing to allow God to shift you? The question is this. If we can't be shifted in our heart, how can we then shift God's hand? Our hand, our heart must be surrendered before him. Our heart must be open before him. God, I give you everything. I give you everything. And it's really, really important for all of us to be able to come and just surrender before him and allow him to have that authority in your life. And that's what Ezekiel did. It also talks about activating your spirit man. Do you know how to activate your spirit man? Because often we can walk out of the flesh, but God actually wants us to operate out of our spirit man. It's so important. It's the, the biggest key of all was Ezekiel was what? Was he in the flesh? No. It says Ezekiel was in the spirit. Do you remember John on the island of Patmos? You know, that was a terrible, terrible prison. No one, basically, very few ever came out of there alive. They just worked the prisoners to death. And they often never saw daylight. They were, it was a horrible place. And yet, John is on, on the island of Patmos and he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. Paul and Silas had been beaten terribly and mercifully. They'd gone through so much and yet they were in the deepest, darkest prison and it was awful and it stank all around them. And yet at midnight, what were they doing? They were worshipping God. They were in the Spirit. See, no matter what happens around us in our circumstances, we too can be in the Spirit. And Ezekiel here was in the Spirit. He was purposely engaging with God and soaking in His presence. If you want to move... Powerfully move the hand of God, you have to learn to activate your spirit man because we communicate spirit to spirit, not flesh to spirit. And praying out of the flesh and going through the motions does nothing. But out of the spirit, activating your spirit man changes things. You see, if we want wisdom about things, if we want to see things from God's perspective, we have to go to him, the source of all wisdom. I love Psalm 73. Psalm 73, this guy was having a lot of problems and he couldn't see and he was struggling and he felt irritable and he felt all bad-tempered and everything like that and he says, I was like a brute beast before you. I couldn't see, I couldn't see my way through it and understand. But it said, until I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood. See, the transformation happens is when we come into God's presence and open and surrender ourselves, we begin to see from His perspective, not for our own. And there have been times in my life when I've thought, God, there's no way through this. And I've gone to God and I've just cried out to Him. And you know, things have dropped into my spirit to get past this point of where I've been. God wants that for us. It's important for first of us, for, for all of us, to engage with God and allow Him to direct you in prayer. As you build that relationship with Him, He reveals things to you. Did you know that God wants to reveal things to you? How do we know? Jeremiah thirty-three three says, "Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, things which you do not know." See, God wants to show you things. If you open up your spirit to him. Then the next thing he had was a sent dimension. He brought me out. And sometimes God wants to, has to bring us out of something to bring us into something. And sometimes we have to allow God to take us out of our comfort zone so that he can position us differently so that we can enter in a different way. 
You know, we're not the same church that we were a year ago. And we're not going to be the same church in a year's time because God is constantly moving us on. And so we have to change in here to keep up with what God is doing. We don't want to get left behind. The thing with a lot of Christians is they build a little altar around something or not so much an altar, a monument around something that God has done but then instead of shifting on they just keep around this little monument. We have to keep moving with God and growing with God. He brings us out. Another thing is that uh, you may or may not understand but the fivefold ministry is so important in this time as God is beginning to raise them up. And the, the role of the apostolic ministry is so important. The apostle means sent one. And when we are linked with an, an apostle anointing, guess what? Upon the body comes a sent dimension. And this church is linked with apostles. And therefore, upon this church, there is a sent dimension waiting for us to tap into it if we're prepared to. Where there's an apostle anointing, there is a sent dimension upon the body that comes upon the church to actively engage in kingdom business, which turns a dying world around. The next thing he was, he was positioned. He was positioned. He was set down. You know, he was set down in a very definite and precise place. And there's something about being in the right place at the right time. Do you remember Philip? God spoke to Philip and said, I want you to go to a certain place. And so he went to that certain place and he positioned himself there. And suddenly he sees a chariot going by and he connects with the person on that chariot. Boy, something happened. And he brought that guy to Christ and brought understanding to that place. I wonder what that did to that nation. Have you ever thought about that? That one encounter. You position yourself accurately where God tells you to go. I wonder what can happen. Incredible. But, where did God put him? Was it in Hawaii? Was it in a shopping mall where the ladies go crazy? It was in a graveyard. This is where you want mist. You know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he was put literally in a graveyard. Everywhere around him, as far as the eye could see, there were dry, dead bones. Has anyone seen living bones before? There were dead bones everywhere, as far as the eye could see. But that's where God had placed them. And you need to be, no matter where you're placed, that's where God has you for a purpose. So Ezekiel, he was picked up in the spirit, he was transported to a place that was full of dry bones, a daunting sight. It was a place, a graveyard. There was no order but chaos all around. You know, the role of the apostolic, I know I go on about this, but the thing is the role of the apostolic is to bring back into order that which is out of order. It has that anointing. And each of the fivefold ministry have important parts to play, but the apostle has that anointing to actually bring that which is out of order back into order. That's one of the roles that they have. And here we see, and also it's to straighten out that which is crooked. But Ezekiel is seeing a prophetic picture. A prophetic picture, and he's confronted with the reality of the church, the children of Israel, in an open valley, what does that mean? An open valley is a, a place where they can be, you know, predators can come and nibble at you. Predators can come and kill and destroy. There's no protection. And these people were gnawed at for a long, long time. They were spiritually dead in a dry place, void of water, which speaks of lack of sight and revelation. For without a vision, people perish without sight. So they're in a, a valley full of bones. And valleys can be places, you know, when, when you look at valleys, valleys can also be places of lush water and there's often a river at the bottom of it. It says, it didn't say the valley was dry. 
It said that the bones were dry. It said, in fact, the bones were very dry. Very dry. But you know, we have before us the word of life. This word has everything in it for us to live by. And yet, we have it with us in so many homes it just gathers dust or remains inactive. You know, you can be in a valley experience and sadly a lot of Christians don't know how to feed upon this to be able to get themselves out of the valley and up back onto the mountaintop. The valley can actually be a very amazing time where God forges your character as you grow in him. But it's some of the most fertile place that you can be is in the valley. That's where God can grow you. You know, I've gone through some very tough times in my Christian walk. And yet in those times, I look back and I think, wow, God, you were there with me. I look back and I say, God, you comforted me and you strengthened me. In the worst times, the times of grief and the times of all sorts of things, you were there as my comforter, the one that led me out. And I've been through a lot of different things. But God was there in that valley. In fact, God is everywhere. You can't, you can't escape Him. He's there. But we need to draw upon the Word that is there rather than allowing it to remain inactive around us. Because if it remains just gathering dust, your bones will dry, go grow dry and you'll become discouraged. The other thing that Ezekiel did was he observed and he allowed himself to be spirit-led. He allowed himself to be led by the Spirit rather than just walking around doing his own thing. He allowed the Spirit to guide him. The first thing God does is to get him to walk around the bones, to have a look and observe and see. What are you seeing? What are you sensing? And God sometimes does that. Often he will get you to say, what are you seeing? What's in here? What are you sensing? What are you feeling? And we've got to learn to activate our spirit senses in here. Because God gave them to us. There for a reason. Nehemiah did the same thing. Nehemiah came to Jerusalem and he saw all the broken walls and all that sort of thing and the people that were so disjointed and discouraged. And he, but he didn't just go in there. He walked around and he looked. He spent a whole day looking and observing what God was doing, wanting him to do. See, the key is don't rush God's presence. Take time to listen. Take time to ask God to show you things. So often we rush in, we want the five minute prayer meeting, and zoom, out the door we go. Can God really show us things in that time? I know he can, but God wants us to spend time with him so that you activate your spirit man. So, interacting with God. The next thing that he did was he, I mean his heart was probably pumping like anything. But he's listening and he's obeying what God is telling him to do. And then God asks him a question. You know, in your times of interacting with God, it's a time of questions and answers. He asks you questions. Yeah, he does. And then you can ask him questions. And it's a time of interacting and changing. I don't know about you, but I write things down. Sometimes I draw things down because I often see prophetically pictures and I'll see them and I'll draw them. I may not even understand them, but months later God will get me to turn back to that. Say, now do you understand? I didn't understand at the time, but then God reveals it. Or I'll pray and I'll ask God questions. You know, later on I could be in the bus or on the train going to work and suddenly something will drop into my spirit. I think, actually that's the answer I need. As you engage with him, he loves it when you engage with him. It's an amazing time. It's a time where our character is forged with God. The result is fruit and growth. It's called abiding in him. And John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The amazing thing is that when you spend time in his presence, his desires suddenly become your desires. Then you have a real heart there to do what He wants. And then not only that, because when you begin to pray,
pray what he wants, you've got the full backing of heaven and the resources of heaven behind you. Because he wants to outfold his purposes through you. And each and every one of you he wants to do that through. No matter who or what we are. Ezekiel listened carefully. They said, can these bones live? Can these bones live? It's a good question. I mean, there's two lines of sight here, if you like. (laughs) One that we see naturally, or those of faith. But before I go on to that, you know the word live is mentioned six times in that passage. God wants us to live. Not to live half dead, but to live in the Spirit. Anyway, you can see either out of the flesh or out of the spirit man. When Nehemiah saw those broken walls and he saw the broken people, he saw the burnt down this, it was a mess all around him. What did he see? Oh man, this is just so overwhelming. I don't think we could do that. This is more this is bigger than me. What did he see? He actually saw kingdom builders. He saw every single one of them as kingdom builders. And so he he shared with them God's intent, God's purposes for them. You know what? Suddenly they all rose up as one man and they rebuilt that wall in record time. Something happened in their spirit man. And God looks at you and I'll look at you today and I see an army of people here that God wants to use as a body, as one man. Can these bones live? They can. The thing is, there's a war over sight. There's a war over the sight of the church. You've heard that before, but there is. If Satan can keep you blind, if he can keep you dim, so that you can't see what he wants to build on this earth, if he can keep you focused on the flesh, if he can keep you focused on what you naturally see, guess what? You'll be limited. Because sometimes faith comes by what you don't see in the natural. And you have to begin to rise up. And God is breaking down and removing the veils over the church's eyes to see at a new level. Because where are we seated? In heavenly places. So our perspective should be different to that of the world's. Amen? And there's something between fact and truth. The fact is you might be sick. But the truth is that God's word says, I am your healer. See the difference? There's so much to activate and to learn. Ezekiel was facing an impossible situation. These bones seem well beyond the capability of living. I mean, if you look in the the different things in the Bible, you see people praying for somebody that died uh, the same day or a couple of days later, or even Lazarus, four days have gone by. But these bones were well beyond the four days. <laughs> the flesh was gone. It was well and truly beyond what the natural could do. But right now, I wonder what impossible situation you are facing right now. Ezekiel was facing an impossible situation. I wonder if you're facing something right now that seems so big that you can't get around it or over it or anything like that. Because this is what God wants you to capture in your spirit. Look at this. God said to him, and it was very potent, he said, he told him exactly what to pray. Exactly. He said, prophesy over these bones. To prophesy means to speak out and declare God's intention. God's will. What God says. We have to speak it out. We can't just keep it quiet. We have to speak it out. Faith comes by hearing. Well, how can you hear it unless you speak it? You know, if you want to build faith around your life, and you've all been given a measure of faith, Begin to speak out God's word around your life. And as you begin to speak it, suddenly you find that your spirit man begins to pump in here. You begin to change. And here he is, he says, prophesy. And the more you allow God to show you how and what to pray, 
the more we begin to see keys to unlock certain situations. You know, maybe you're facing a situation where you've been trying to talk with a friend, but there's been barriers. Every time you talk about a certain thing, there's been a barrier shoot up. Have you ever asked God to show you about that barrier? Because as you begin to hook into what God is doing, he begins to show you keys to unlock that barrier. Then you've got to have God's wisdom to know how to apply it. But the thing is, God wants to show you things that you do not know that you may be able to unlock things around people's lives. So he says, hear what? Hear what? Hear what the people say? Hear what the latest opinion polls say? Hear what your family says or what the news says or, or what the experts say? What does he say? He says, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. This is God's word to us. This thing here is God's word to us if we grasp it with all our hearts. It's alive. If you begin to read it in the spirit, it's not a book that is dull and boring. It comes alive if you ask God to open your heart to him. Hear the word of the Lord. This book gives light to our eyes, causes light to shine in our darkness, causes us to see the hidden truths within these pages and through the revelation of the Spirit. Um, you can see understanding coming into your spirit deep down in here. These are not just words. These are God's truth to you. It's like a trumpet sound. Hear the word of the Lord is like a trumpet blasting forth. And God at the moment is wanting us to open our spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church at the moment. Can you hear the trumpet sound of the word going forth? Or is it dull to your ears? If it is dull to your ears, God can shift that and break it. Amen? Because he wants to make your ears attentive. It's a frequency that we all need to tune into. He wants to arrest our spirit man so that as a body we all rise up, not just individuals here and there, but as a body. He wants to transform our hearts and lives. The days of playing church are over. God actually wants to use us and multiply and do something very powerfully in each of our hearts. When you read the word, Try listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Try listening. Don't just read it. Listen. It's so powerful when, when you listen. Look at this. Surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I'll put sinews on you and flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and then you shall know that I am the Lord. See, then the Spirit gets him to prophesy over these bones. He actually gives him the exact words to speak and to say. And God can give you words to speak over your impossible situation. Words of how to break down that barrier and which scriptures that you can use. Something very powerful is, something very powerful happens when you speak out God's word because he's always behind his word. The declaration was like, as I said, a trumpet sound. Speaks of the apostolic and the prophetic which breaks through barriers and walls that have been built up around people's lives over the years. It has the power to penetrate and break down barriers and causes shifts in the spirit to bring change. That's how powerful God's word is if you allow it. But look at the order that God does things in. Look at this order. He's first of all told to speak to the bones. What are the bones in us? Well, if you took the bones out of us right now, what would we be? We'd be blobs of jelly on the floor. I suppose we'd be just <laughs> moving around or slipping and sliding all around. But God gave us bones in us so that we would stand firm. It's the inward structure within our hearts and lives that we can stand firm. Amen? It's part of us that we need. And as he declares God's word to the dry bones, another sound is heard. And boy, what a noise! Suddenly you get this rattling sound happening all over the place. Can you imagine thousands and thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of bones suddenly like this? Can you imagine the sound? 
It would have been enormous. That rattling sound. I wonder if you feel rattled. Because when God does something, when God begins to restore, sometimes he's got to actually reset the bones because they're actually in the wrong place. You know, it's not very comfortable when you have to reset bones. But you, can you feel, sometimes, un, you know, it's awkward, it's, it's, it's um, not very comfortable when God moves. And if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling a little bit out of it and you don't quite understand and you're, you're feeling, ugh, I don't really want to be part of this. Guess what? You're exactly where God wants you to be. Because God is shaking up your bones inside of you and causing a rattling sound to happen so that he can bring you back into alignment with his will. Are you prepared to allow him to rattle you? Sometimes the things that we face are actually God's allowing to cause us to come back in. Even the children of Israel had to escape from Egypt before they could enter the promised land and that rattled them. So God sometimes has to rattle us. But anyway, each bone is put back into its correct place. There's a realigning taking place beginning from the inside out. The bones are the framework and the structure that holds the form of the body together. The bones also were designed to carry weight. Did you know your bones, you are designed to carry spiritual weight? You are designed to carry weight in the spirit. Just as Paul the Apostles did and the other Apostles and the people of the early church, when they turned up, something happened because they carried something on the inside. I always remember reading about um, Smith Wigglesworth, an amazing man of God. You know, he'd get into a, a train or some place, he'd go into it, and people would be weeping and he hasn't said anything purely because of what he carried on the inside. He carried the presence of God. And you were designed to carry God's presence and to carry spiritual weight so that when you pray, when you declare God's word, there's weight about what you speak. It's very, very powerful. Accurate alignment causes the body to stand tall so that, so st- and straight so that it can function without deformity. You know, when a body is not lying down and deformed, when it stands up straight, suddenly the head can see. The ears can hear properly. The, bo- the, the, the body can move freely. The, the feet have movement and can move wherever it wants to, wherever God leads it. And the mouth is able to speak out what God intends it to speak. It's an amazing part when every part of the body is functioning as it should. And you're part of that body. Every single part of you. Whether you're part of the head or whether you're an arm or whether you're a toe or whether you're the thigh or whatever part you are, the fact is that you are important in this body. God designed you to be part of a family to move as one. Look at this. The sinews, what do they speak of? The sinews really are the bits, and I'm, and I'm not a medical person or anything like that, but they went around the bones. It gives, causes flexibility. It causes the bones to stick together. And we need the sinews around our lives to stick us all together. Because as you know, a family is never perfect. But God designed us to be together. And also, because of that, you know, iron sharpens iron. Every part of it works together. In God's economy. But the sinews are there to bring elasticity and movement and flexibility. How do you know that a rigid, if I was so rigid in my bones, I couldn't move? As a body, we can't be like that. We have to be moving where God wants us to move and flexible about how God wants us to go and do things. Then there's the flesh, which really speaks of the internal organs, the heart, the mind, and all sorts of things like that. And they need to function as they should. And then there's the skin, the outward appearance, which is a reflection really of what is happening on the inside. The heart. You know, that's God's order, not man's. Here we see God putting somebody together again from the inside out. God is doing something in the hearts and lives of each and every one of us. Because he wants to get down into the here. He doesn't want to change, you know, he could, he could add more here if he wanted more here. 
You know, he could, he could do all sorts of things to, to, to give us faceless if he wanted to. But the fact is God's not doing it. He's doing something in here. I remember years ago watching, I went to a musical, a live musical, and it was The Cross and the Switchblade, and it was an amazing musical. And uh, the thing is that they had this Puerto Rican guy, and he had a scar across his face, and he had a big nose and everything like this. But he was the commentator in the middle of it, and he, in actual fact, was one of the gang members that God had saved out of New York. An incredible story. But he went, after that was finished, he went to the, the end of the hall and he was shaking everybody's hand. And I'll never forget his face. His face was scarred and things like that, but it was the most beautiful looking love coming out of his face. Because God had changed the inside of a man. That's what God wants to do to you. So many people want to do it cosmetically on the outside, but God always works on the inside. Let's just quickly keep going. But this isn't enough though. God restored this body, but it's not just enough. There was another step. And there is no life without the life giver. God hadn't finished yet. And so it's important that when we spend time with God to keep listening. And you know, God showed him something else. Again, Ezekiel talks to God and listens to God. And again, he prophesies according to how he's directed. And the results were, breath and life came upon these people. It's amazing. When he breathed life, he was told to breathe the Holy Spirit upon these people. You know, then they stood to their feet. Suddenly, they were able to stand up. And you know, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, when God just transforms you on the inside, suddenly you realize who you are in Christ. And when you realize who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about the things that have happened. You can stand knowing who you are. Isn't it incredible? And here these people, they stood on their feet. I wonder if you're struggling to stand on your feet today. But God wants to fill you with His Spirit, to breathe His Spirit upon you, that you can stand. You can stand. It was only after they were filled with the breath of God that they were able to stand upon their feet. They're accurately positioned. And it's your metron to be able to stand on your feet. They went through a complete transformation from being dead and slain to be completely whole from the inside out which caused them to know who they really were in God. And it comes through the revelation of the Spirit. You know, I was probably one of the... I was very, very insecure. When I first became a Christian, I didn't really know who I was. I encountered God so powerfully. I, I experienced His love. I, and God had taken away the fear of death, which was great. But I was so shy and timid. I could hardly say boo. I really was, if those who knew me, what I was like. I was so fearful about what other people thought. I was so fearful. I couldn't even speak. You know, I was best man at my brother's wedding and I couldn't give a speech because I was so fearful. That's true. I couldn't get up in front of people and speak. And yet God had planted a dream in me that one day I'd be preaching his word. And I didn't know how or what. But God transformed me from the inside out. It doesn't matter what people think of me anymore. That's what I've come to understand. It's because of what God thinks of me that's more important. And that transformed my life. I don't have to fear what man. I don't have to try and do this or do that. I'm who God created me to be. I don't have to compare myself with other people. And that radically changed who I was. Because when you get a revelation of who he is, you get a revelation of who you are. It was so powerful in my life. There in front of Ezekiel was a whole army. Wow. There in front of me is a whole army of people that can change, that have the power to change this nation. Do you see yourself as that? Wow. And this sort of praying, when you begin to pray and declare God's word, is called governmental praying. It's governmentally praying. Because we were created to govern, to rule and to reign with him. And that's what it's all about. It's part of your DNA. Learn to activate it. 
God gave them the words to speak, but he also gave them the why. And I'm going to go very quickly over this because I know time is gone. But look at this, very quickly. You see, they, what was the root cause of their problems? What was the cause of what created the dryness and caused the death? It was their confession. It was what they said. Isn't it interesting? There's a difference between what you say and what God says. And their confession was, oh, it's hopeless, it's no good, we're cut off. We're this, we're that. And when we're faced with a situation that seems impossible, that you can't get over and you can't see over the mountainside, what is your confession? Oh, it's hopeless. I'm no good anyway. I'm a failure. I should never have done this in the first place. Have you ever been there and said that? I bet we all have, if we're honest. We've all been there. But God is wanting us to shift our sight. When we come to that mountaintop, seek Him and seek His solution to be able to clear what He says and to see that mountain shifted. Because they had a lack of sight, their hope was gone. They only saw in the natural rather than the spiritual. And fear overtook them. And then unbelief came. And it was a downward spiral until they were spiritually dead. You know, there are a lot of people walking around spiritually dead. Man, I want life in here. Life in here. I don't want to be walking dead. I want to be full of life. But God declares, I will open, look at this, God's grace. I will open our graves. Sorry, this may stink a little bit. <laughs> I may open your graves. But God does it for a reason, to help us up and beyond. Sometimes we have to learn to trust Him to say, God, I don't know how to deal with this pain. I don't know how to deal with this unforgiveness. But I want to give it back to you. Allow Him to open that grave. I will cause you to come up into a new place of, ever, you know, a place of elevation. You don't want to stay down in the grave, do you? It's cold, it's dark, it's damp. Come up out of there and into a place where you can see. It says, I'll cause you to come out of the limitations we are in and to remove the things that have bound us. That's what he wants to do. And bring us into what? Our rightful inheritance. And God wants you to enjoy that rightful inheritance here on this earth. Not just when we go to heaven, but on earth. Because God wants to move through us. Now that's God's heart for you and for this nation that begins right here. Surrendering in our hearts. I wonder if there are any dry bones in our lives that we need to declare God's word over. I wonder if the musicians would come. I wonder if there's any dry bones over our word, over our lives that we need God's word to declare over. What will you declare? See, I can't do it for you, but what will you declare over your lives? We've been taking some classes for, with new Christians just recently and it's been great doing it. And we've been teaching them to declare God's word over their lives. If they can grasp it when they're young, it'll make a huge difference as you go through life. And I've had to declare God's word over my life constantly. And as I have done so, it has radically changed me. It's given me a boldness who I never thought possible. But it all begins with engaging in prayer. You see, Jesus only did what? What he saw his father do, and he only spoke what Jesus, his father said. So how much more do we need to spend time with God to see what our Heavenly Father is saying and doing and showing us? So tonight, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be able to engage with God and to be able to see and experience what God is doing. You know, I remember years ago, I was in the, at work and, and there was this girl, a new girl, who had come in. She was from the countryside and she was young, and, um, but she was very naive in so many ways as well. And you know what? She, she was, had a lovely, bubbly sort of personality and she was very sincere, but I could see the walls circling. I could see the walls circling and it disturbed my spirit. 
And so I pray, God, what should, what should I do in this situation? It was like a little lamb, you know. At this, and as I was praying, God gave something into my spirit, dropped something into my spirit for that girl. But now you have to understand one thing. You need God's wisdom to know what, when God shows you something. It's not good for a married man to be able to speak with a young single woman. You need God's wisdom. What I did was I went to Sandra and I said, Hey, look, God's shown me this. How can we share it with this person? And so we said, well, why don't we meet with her together? And I remember saying to this young lady, I said, hey, look, you know, God's actually placed something, a word on my heart for you. Would you like to hear what it is? And she turned around and said, did he really? Oh, I want to know what it says. She was really desperate to know. So I said, why don't we meet, my wife and I meet her for lunch. And we did. And I remember we just shared what God had said. You know, it transformed it to something deep within her life. It was like God was doing something very powerful within her. You know, when we got back, the wolves stopped. They immediately knew something had happened. And they didn't want anything to do with that. And they knew what I carried. You know what? You carry into your place, workplaces, or wherever can change situations when you begin to seek God. And God can do that in you. Let's just stand and pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that your desire is for us to meet with you and to surrender. And as we surrender, Lord God, we begin to see and hear your voice. We begin to see things that we've never seen before. Things that we do not know because that's your heart's desire. And I pray that people would be transformed in the innermost parts of their being. Lord, I pray for each and every person here to encounter God afresh. And as they open the Word and sit and meditate upon Your your Word and Your presence, Father, You begin to transform their hearts and lives. And I pray prophetically that a spirit of prophecy would begin to flow out of each and every one of them. That the word would become alive, it would become a living word to them that would capture their hearts and lives. Father, I pray a huge shift in each and every one of us that God's word would find good soil and begin to grow very powerfully within each and every one of us. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.